listening to Green State, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality, the agency responsible for restoring, maintaining, and enhancing the quality of Oregon's air, land, and water. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Green State. I'm Lauren Wardis. And I'm Dylan Darling. We're here to give you in-depth information about the way the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality is protecting your air, land, and water here in Oregon. And I think last time we said we'd be covering water quality. We're still doing that episode, but had to do some rearranging. So coming soon, but not today. Today, we're talking about my electric vehicle test driving experience. I can't wait to hear about this, Lauren. You might say I'm charged up. (laughs) Where did you end up going? And did you test one, two, several EVs? Yeah, all good questions. So I essentially did what I would do if I were buying a car. So I looked up who had inventory and the type of car that I might really want to buy. There are a lot of videos on YouTube out there about the best EVs, best bang for your buck EVs. So I did a lot of that research. And part of what it came down to was just who had a car on the lot to drive. It is nearly impossible to find an EV for sale right now. However, one that had piqued my interest was the Kia Niro EV. It has quite good range. I saw that it was EPA rated for about the mid 200 mile range. But multiple companies like Edmunds and Car and Driver tested it and found it was closer to the high 200s. And it's reasonably affordable. And it was literally the only car they had available to test drive. So I know annual maintenance costs are different when we talk about EVs. So what's affordable in terms of an EV? So for the Kia Nero, MSRP is about $40,000. And honestly, I'd love something less expensive, but I couldn't find any of those less expensive cars when I was looking to do a test drive. I can get a bit more into my financial rationale later, but I could see the numbers working out. So I thought it was a reasonable example. So I definitely have to do more research on the cost, but that's a bit more than I'm used to spending for a car. Did you happen to learn any more about the purchasing process? Yes, I learned a bunch. And For listeners, before we get into my actual test drive, I was able to ask the EV sales rep a bunch of questions that I was wondering about buying the car. And as I was writing down my questions, I realized there were a lot of things I really didn't know, like where do you get your charger from? How expensive is that? Do typical warranties that tend to cover things like the powertrain and transmission now cover batteries? So real quick, let's listen to my conversation with Thomas at Weston Kia in Gresham. I'm Thomas Fornoff. I am the EV specialist, product specialist here at Weston Kia Buick GMC. Uh, We're located on the corner of 223rd Avenue and Stark Street here in Gresham, Oregon. We were just downstairs and there are a ton of people buying cars. Mm -hmm. And so I assume that means that the EV market is pretty hot. Absolutely. EV market has been one of the fastest growing markets here in the past even five years. In 2020, it grew at a 41% uh, increase as well as in 2021 increased by 83%. So more and more people are really starting to consider EVs uh, as, you know, the infrastructure has allowed it more available charging and everything like that. And what have you been hearing as people come and want to talk to you about either EVs or plug-in hybrid EVs? Kind of what is their motivation for making that transition and even deciding between those two types of cars? 
Um, the main thing, obviously, a lot of people worry about how far these cars can go. So mm -hmm. they're very interested now because all these cars are starting to get, you know, towards the 300 mark. Uh, our current EV6 that we now have in the rear-wheel drive version uh, can get over 300 miles on a full charge. So that is comparable to most, you know, ICE or internal combustion engine vehicles. And with that, since it's now more comparable to that, people actually have started to consider that for their everyday vehicles. I guess, what are the most common questions you get about EVs for people? Mainly range and uh, how long it takes to charge. A lot of people worry yeah. about, okay, well, maybe this car does have, you know, 300 miles of range, but am I going to, you know, once that runs out, am I going to have to wait for two, three hours for it to charge in order for me to get any further? Uh, and so with that, that's a, what a lot of people are worried about, but with the infrastructure allowing more and more every single day at chargers every single day through companies like Electrify America, ChargePoint, uh, it's becoming more and more readily available, uh, but those still are uh, the most important and most common questions that people do ask. My questions about charging too, one of the main ones being like, okay, so I know you can charge at home, but how does that happen? If you sell me an EV, do you also just say like, and here's your charger, or do I go buy that somewhere at a hardware store? Like, I, I have no idea how that part happens. It really does depend on the vehicle. So for certain vehicles, they will come with, uh, or come with, or have the option of a level one charger. A level one charger is what's plugged into your standard uh, 110 volt at home. Like you would plug even just like a phone charger into, uh, just requires that it has to have the three prongs. From there, it's just a normal cord. You plug it into the charge port. Now, being a level one, uh, it is going to take quite a long time for most vehicles to charge. On average, it's going to be about three to four miles of range added for every hour charge. So not very fast. But your other option is uh, purchasing a level two charger. With that, level two chargers require either a 240 volt uh, installed to be able to plug into or you can have it hardwired by a, a, an electrician, a certified electrician. From there, it's about 24 miles per every hour that it's producing the range. So we recommend on all of our EVs, that is the recommended and normally the preferred option for charging at home would be the level two. With that, a lot of people worry about that some of these chargers can cost quite a bit of money. With the level two chargers and even level one chargers, when you're purchasing those, there are also state rebates for that. I don't know the exact numbers because it does vary from manufacturer to manufacturer. And so the state of Oregon kind of has some different rules for different manufacturers and different wattage and voltage and amperage, uh, but there are some tax incentives on those as well. Yeah, it looks like just through our actual utility company, PGE would give us like $500 right. on getting a charger. And so since we're talking about rebates, how does the rebate work? And we kind of covered on the previous podcast that like the charge ahead rebate, mm -hmm. DEQ is working on the whole process to get like pre-approval so folks can bring that into you. Right. Um, but for now, it's really the standard rebate that people are looking to kind of get off the top of the cost of the car. And yes. is that something you all do? Yes, we do here at Weston at least. So uh, with participating dealers, you can have that $2,500 taken off the top of the price of the car. Or uh, if you would like, for whatever reason, if you just wanted to have a check for that $2,500, you would receive that in about a month or two. And then I, I see as I like research EVs, a lot of companies and dealerships talking about the federal tax incentive. How does that work? I know it's not an off the top kind of thing, but what do I like walk away with? And then how do I get that money? So to get that, it's going to be for whatever you purchase the electric vehicle in or during the tax season the following year and, you know, the February, March, April, uh, you can file for that tax relief. And then I think there's also a limitation on how long that federal tax credit lasts based on how many cars each company produces. Yes, I believe that it is for the first 200,000. 
Yeah, because I know that I've seen Chevy Bolts just been around a long time. Yes. So they've kind of run out of federal rebate cars. Yes. So that's kind of, that might be an interesting thing. And that certainly influenced me when I was thinking about like, oh, how soon should I buy this Absolutely. electric vehicle? Because I would love to get $7,500 back. Absolutely. And as years go on, they do kind of cut down on those rebates a little bit. Uh, so something like the plug-in hybrids uh, have gone from 2500 down to 1500 because they're pushing more towards having those full electric versus just a partial. And so what kind of EVs do you have on the lot right now or plug-in hybrids? So not much on the lot at the moment. Obviously, microchip shortage going on right now does affect pretty much everyone in terms of the amount of vehicles we have on the lot. We are the lucky ones to have. We've been at the top of volume in our region for the past 22 years. Uh, mainly for Kia, we do have our Nero, which is available in the regular hybrid, the plug-in hybrid, uh, as well as full electric. Uh, and then we have uh, both the Sorento and the Sportage that will have hybrid versions. Uh, and then the all-new EV6, which is our first dedicated EV platform. One of the uh, next 11 dedicated EVs that Kia plans on coming out with by 2026. So the EV6 has been very popular and has drawn a lot of people in. Nice. Well, that's really exciting. I, I heard that stat about 11 new EVs in the next year. And what was it? I think Chevy's going all electric by like 2035. Yeah, 2035. It just seems like there's a huge push towards electric vehicles. Absolutely. Yep. Every single manufacturer has at least, you know, started production or starting to design some sort of EV to get in on this market and everything. And everything seems to be switching that way and in hopes of uh, bringing emissions down and helping the environment a little bit more. As you're driving around, is there any like in-car way of understanding where chargers are. I know there are apps and everything and you can do planned trips and that sort of thing, but I didn't know if in a car there it has a way to say, here's your next charger. Us here at Kia, every single one of our plug-in hybrids as well as full electric vehicles have some sort of uh, built-in navigation and built into that it is able to search for the nearest charging station to you. Perfect. So when it comes down to, I believe is below 10% of the battery left, It'll pop up on that screen and let you know that, hey, it might be time to charge. And here is the next closest charging station to you uh, on the route that you were heading on. That's awesome. That's super handy. And so then the other thing I was thinking is that Kia has a great 10-year warranty. And I, I think that's on the powertrain. But how does that translate to an electric vehicle? It would cover the battery itself, obviously the larger battery. So using, the say, the EV6 as an example, has a 77.4 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, so very large battery, very long throughout the car. That itself will be covered for uh, 10 years, 100,000 for any sort of manufacturer's defects. Uh, and these batteries are projected to last at least 10 years. They're hoping uh, towards 15. Obviously, we haven't had the car out long enough. We won't yeah. have them for a month. Uh, but they're going to be studying that over time to see what is happening with all the battery degradation uh, and seeing where it's heading towards. But they're expecting it to last at least 10 years. And I said one other question. What do you like about electric vehicles? I love, one, they're fun to drive. They're <laughs> extremely fun to drive. Uh, not having to wait for any sort of gears for shifting makes all that horsepower and torque just hit you all at once. That's mm. one of my favorite things <laughs> is that they're very fun to drive. Uh, on top of that, just saving so much money in terms of to charge this EV6 here in uh, Multnomah County, specifically here in Gresham, you're charging using off-peak hours. is going to charge you between 4 to $6, depending on the day of the week. Whereas obviously filling the tank of gas right now is charging, you know, for an average size tank, which is 16 gallons, is going to cost you about $75. And that's roughly, you know, tank of gas lasts me about maybe two and a half, three weeks. A full charge on the EV6 would probably last me probably two to two and a half weeks. 
and just go with a nice round number five dollars versus seventy five dollars sounds a lot better than me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just think that EV vehicles are just uh, the way to go. I think they're amazingly fun. They offer some amazing options, especially in terms of technology. Uh, having the larger battery allows for a lot more of those electronic features and safety features, and so I just think they are amazing cars. I think that pretty much everyone should at least you know look into them to see if it is something viable for them. So Dylan, I feel like I learned a lot when I was there, but what do you feel like you took away from that interview? Wow. You know, in that conversation, you really hit on a lot of the concerns I've long had about EVs, range, charging time, where do you find places to charge, all those reasons not to get an EV, basically. I'm glad you asked about them. I found it really cool how the EV you are talking about If it got low on charge, it would actually tell you where the nearest charging station is. Kind of next level of the low on fuel. (laughs) One of the most terrifying lights you might see. I also really appreciated the discussion about adding a charger to your home. I live in a little bit older house. And when I've thought about getting an EV, that's something I've realized that I probably have to do some retrofitting to get a level two charger. But it seems worth it, and it seems be an added cost to take in on an EV. But again, seems like something worth it. It's also really interesting when he mentioned the growing market of EVs. That's what I'm really finding fascinating right now. It seems like so many car makers are moving toward EVs. And so if you have a particular type of vehicle you like, be it an SUV, hatchback, convertible, like all these things, even pickups are are becoming EVs. How about you? Listening to that conversation again, what strikes you? A lot of those same things that you just mentioned were things I really appreciated him talking through. And I'll just add that I did some additional research and found out that even for people who are renting, Oregon law is really supportive of renters for adding a charging station. There's some notifications you have to give to your landlord, but it's not very hard to get that approved as long as you have a certified electrician installing it. Other than that, I would say I really was encouraged by how many different car manufacturers are making EVs. And just the fact that he also couldn't keep them on the lot. So the EV6 he was talking about, they happened to have one on the lot at the time. I couldn't drive it because someone had ordered it and it had been damaged in shipping and was just awaiting repair. But it was effectively somebody's personal vehicle at that point. But it was super cool, but also $60,000. Oh, wow. (laughs) So so what I'm also looking forward to is that if Chevy is going to be entirely electric by 2035, and then Kia is coming out with 11 new vehicles by 2026, we're looking at not only more options, but probably more affordable options. So you can get, as you're saying, the hatchback, the convertible, all of those things at a price for you as well. Yeah, because I'm someone who I love going up to the mountains and off road a little bit. And so I think I've been keeping close watch on the EV, SUV, or SUV, EV. I don't know which way you'd combine them. Oh, they're calling them EUV. I've seen it. EUV. Electric utility vehicle. (laughs) I don't know how that strikes me. It sounds like a boat or something, but maybe that's EMU. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, oh, super cool. You know, in that conversation, there's also the mention of how fun it is to drive an EV and, and just great questions that you asked there, Lauren. But hey, let's get to the test drive. Let's find out how fun this was to drive. Yes, I did record my whole test drive. And the whole thing I will say is not super interesting. I'm not a YouTube great car reviewer. So I kind of focused down the clip into my discovery of single pedal driving. So if anyone doesn't know, electric vehicles have both a gas and a brake pedal, but you can turn on this regenerative driving. And what that means is anytime you let off the gas pedal, it will start braking for you. And this charges the battery as well. So it was new to me and that kind of features in this clip. <laughs> now we're good. All right. Things I've heard about is just the idea that you have Oh yeah, it's on. I was like, I should turn it on and then I'll put the window down. But um, is the regen thing where you just use the gas pedal? Yep, so uh, that one a, pedal driving. Yeah. Yes. Is that so a there thing? There are four different settings for regenerative braking. You can have it on, I guess, five if you consider off a setting. Right. Uh, but off, uh, level one, level two, level three, and level four. Level four is going to be your one pedal drive to where you do not even have to use the uh, pedal. It will brake for you and come to a full stop. Okay. Cool. So, and, and that's obviously there are two pedals, so that's not automatically on. Is there a button that does that? There are paddle shifters on the back side of the steering wheel. I see. Okay, okay. I believe left goes up and right goes down. And in the bottom left, I believe the screen up there should show you. Okay. And yeah, can you change the regen? Oh, I see. It's right there, level three. Yeah, I see it. Okay, so there's level zero, one, two, three. At some point, I want to try that, the one pedal thing, one but pedal. I also want to be. Um, very careful <laughs> and not. Uh, it looks like it's on level three right now, so we'll see what happens. Uh, or click to the left should get you into one pedal driving. Okay, well, I won't do that yet. I... You'll figure it out. Yeah. I just, I just don't want to like, whiplash anybody. Was that some twerks to you? So, and it feels like you have some level of the one pedal braking on, judging by you just letting off the gas here. It does feel like it's kind of like pulling back. It says level two right now. Yep. So. So gender braking, when you let your foot off of the off the gas, it will start to brake a little bit for you. Okay. And each one of those levels is a different kind of resistance. So level one being the least amount where you kind of notice it a little bit. Huh. Level two is a little bit harder of a break. Level three is oh. a pretty firm break. And then with the level four is where you get that uh, one pedal driving. Oh. I see. I kind of like it though, because it almost kind of has the sensation of going to a lower gear to not yes. have to like push on the brake all the time. Right, right. Because um, you don't have that at all with an electric car. Like as, as you mentioned, the whole, the power and like the smoothness of it, it's just because it's all one speed. There's no, you know, gears to shift through. It's all just one speed. You just get up and go. Yeah. And all that torque and power and everything is all at once when you press on that pedal. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, so that was a super fun test driving experience. And you heard Thomas talking again and giving me instructions about how to find and use the braking regen. And then the other voice in there is my boyfriend who kindly was playing the hold the phone recorder person. But also, you know, he would be impacted by any EV buying decisions. So he came along as a co-analyzer of the EV. 
Nice. I'm glad we had a field support crew. <laughs> yeah, great audio from the test drive. It's kind of nice as the pandemic changes while finally getting out and about and able to tell some of these stories away from the virtual environment. Mm-hmm. Just really cool to hear. I found it really interesting about this single pedal driving. When you first described it to me, it was hard for me to put my mind around, but thinking of it similar to a clutch and how you kind of feel a manual transmission slow the engine, that really helps me understand what's happening there. I grew up driving a clutch. I just did quick math and realized I've owned six cars, Five out of the six have been clutch with the most recent, my only automatic. Now, gosh, I'd love to quiz you a little bit post-test drive. I'm curious, how did the EV feel compared to a gas-burning car like you're used to? It really felt great. As you hear Thomas kind of mention at the end, all of the power does really hit you all at once. And I remember this from my first time ever, ever test driving an EV is that if you're not prepared for it, you step on the gas and it just lurches forward. It just gets up and goes. So that was really, that's still true, still very neat. But the inside too just felt a lot more like a regular gas-powered vehicle. There wasn't anything really distinguishing other than on the interior, there were symbols that indicated battery and not gas. Otherwise, effectively, it more or less felt like a gas-powered vehicle. So the user experience was more or less the same other than that sort of power sensation. A few years back, I actually had a chance to drive a Tesla and a little bit different in that I think intentionally, at least particularly that type of Tesla, the interior felt much more like a spaceship, like something different. And it seems like there's that move to a little more like Carl (laughs) feel. But something that stuck out with that was that acceleration. I would just remember thinking back to it's kind of like thrilling, like, whoa, you can really take off. Was there anything that really surprised you? Anything that surprised you the most, having been behind the wheel of an EV? I think I just expected it to feel a little bit more disorienting inside the car, but really, I just had to do the thing you always have to do if you jump into a car you've never driven before, you know, find the blinkers, find the climate control and everything like that. And there certainly are like the Tesla you drove, like super techie EVs. The EV6 that I sat in was definitely more on that side, very techie. But I liked that the Kia Niro still had knobs and buttons and that sort of thing. It just felt really nice to like picture myself having 285 miles of range and then just coming home and charging up at home. I think that's the thing that just felt really kind of amazing. It was like, oh, I could just take this to my house and that's where it would fill up. I hadn't really thought about that aspect. That would be pretty nice because it just seems like I always realize I need to fuel up at the (laughs) least opportune times. And it's often like, oh, geez, I got to go get gas or on the way out of town. But just filling up when you're home would be great. Now, is there any advice that you might give a friend after your test drive? I think what I would say, and this isn't super convenient at this time, is to test drive a lot of different vehicles. Because while I like the Kia Niro, on the other hand, I felt like I am really missing, you know, the bigger picture of EVs. I don't know what a lot of them are like. Even just sitting in the EV6, it it felt like it might be a pretty different driving experience. So when more EVs are available to test drive, I would definitely recommend trying out 
a lot of different types. Well, I think the great thing with that, as we keep mentioning, a lot more options are coming. There's all sorts coming out in the near future. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's really cool advice. And now the big question of this podcast, (laughs) do you think you'll buy an EV? So I'm going to preface this by saying that I do not give official car advice. That's not what this is. This is just based on my analysis of my life and income and risk tolerance and all those things. Car buying is a personal decision for everyone. So these aren't recommendations, just the conclusions that I came to kind of have a two part answer. One is that if you have two cars and someone actually said this to me early on when I started DEQ, think about making one of them an EV because that's going to just be convenient on either end. All the around town kind of trips, local trips, even to the coast and back trips, all accomplishable with an EV. And a ton of things are, and the infrastructure is only going to get better. For myself, we just have one car. So the short answer is going to be not quite yet. So, you know, I ran a ton of numbers and I am just so intrigued by what's coming in the future. If you look at information about future EVs, there are so many improvements in range and charging infrastructure that are sort of just about to happen. And it looks like 300 plus miles of range is going to become more common. And because there will be more options on the market, the prices should go down. And we're seeing that there's an upcoming release of Chevy Equinox EV that Chevy saying will start at 30 grand. So, you know, that's $10,000 less than the car I'm talking about now. How soon might I do it? I would say maybe in the next year, I'm going to keep an eye for sure on what's in the market. One thing I really carefully considered was even leasing an EV and would it make sense to, you know, kind of get on the EV train for three years and then kind of say goodbye and then really pick a car when there were more options available and to take advantage of any big technological improvements that happened at the time. For a variety of reasons, that didn't make as much sense. But for anyone, for sure, who has multiple cars, I think this would be an incredible way to save a ton of money and really accomplish everything you'd want from a regular car and have a lot of fun while you're driving it. So I can't wait till more EVs come out just so that there's more selection more technology, because then definitely getting on that EV train. All right. And I thank you for getting out and doing that test drive. I I learned a lot through it. And, you know, I've been thinking about an EV for my next car, but also I'm thinking about this waiting and seeing perhaps a plug-in hybrid. But that point you just made about if you have two vehicles, it's my wife and I, and we have two cars. So this concept of, hey, Let's convert one. It seems like a good one and a way to to dip into this, to see what it's about. And it seems like one of those things that once you made the switch, (laughs) just can feel so much more comfortable once you're out there driving it around. And I think that range is still a thing that I keep coming back to. So keeping a close eye on those numbers too. But yeah, just thanks for taking us through this. And and hopefully our our listeners out there of of Green State really found this useful. Thanks everyone so much for listening. I do hope this was really helpful information. I had a lot of fun finding all of that information out and join us next time. We're releasing our next episode in April, Earth Month. So stay tuned. It's going to be a really good one. 
To learn more about financial help that DEQ offers through the EV rebate program and what the Oregon Department of Transportation is doing to support the expansion of charging infrastructure around the state, check out Episode 8 of Green State. It's electric vehicles. We just put the podcast out in February, and it has updated information about those cash rebates for EVs from the state. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Green State, the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality's podcast. And thanks to all the voices who contributed to the conversation. Our music is by Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get our upcoming episodes. You can listen pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Feel free to rate and review. And if you have any questions or ideas for topics for us to cover, you can reach us at 503-451-0585 or by email at green.state at oregon.gov. To find out more, go to dequblog.com slash greenstate.